Uh, people were uh, not looking at us in the eye, and we weren't looking at them in the eye. And, you know, now it's changed. I'm Lisa Morehouse, and this is California Foodways. I'm traveling to every county in the state, finding stories about food, agriculture, and the people that make both possible. Today's show is in the Cape Valley in Yolo County. A massive casino there caused a lot of tension between the Yochadihi tribe and local farmers. So I went to find out, can gambling and farming mix? The Cash Creek Casino is huge, with a 200-room hotel, 10 restaurants, and a golf course. On average, the casino brings in 2,000 visitors a night, swelling the valley's population and traffic. It's a big production. And it's funding the Yochadihi's newest production across the highway. The tribe's own brand of olive oil, Seca Hills, bottled in this state-of-the-art facility. It's only in its fourth year of production, but over 200 restaurants, including Chez Panisse, use it, and the premium oil sells in specialty shops and upscale farmers markets. Tribal Chairman Marshall McKay has close ties to UC Davis and says when the tribe started getting interested in agriculture, he visited the Olive Center there. They had this fascinating tale about quality and quantity and the healing benefits of good, fresh oil and, and how it may be a you know, a burgeoning market in California. And now they're at the forefront. It's the first and only known Native American tribe to grow, mill, and market extra virgin olive oil. The olives are new, but the Yochadihi and other Native American groups thrived in villages here for thousands of years before European contact. The Cape Valley connected Native peoples from the Bay Area and Central Valley with those in Clear Lake and the Mendocino Coast. When people Outsiders came into the valley, gold rush prospectors, cattle ranchers, uh, soldiers. McKay says his ancestors fled to the hills, but many were still massacred. We were in the way, and so we were removed. It was a genocide. It just hasn't been, it hasn't been talked about you know, in history. Those who survived were relocated to barren land. It was a way of uh, slowly killing the tribe. Eventually, only a few families remained. I grew up in severe poverty. James Kinter is the Yochadihi's tribal secretary. Growing up here on the reservation, we used to go pick walnuts on the side of the road to get dinner. You know, and sometimes my mom, she used to work in the fields. She used to work as a waitress. She was a single mom raising three children. You know, and everybody was kind of in those situations, you know, in the tribe. In the 1980s, laws regulating Indian gaming began to loosen. 1985 was when the bingo hall opened. On tribal land in the town of Brooks, James Kinter was five. It was great, I mean, to see you know people excited about something and, and it brought us together as a tribe. And in 1999, the Yochadihi entered into a compact with the state to build the casino they have now. I asked Chairman McKay about an article from 2007 which said it brings in $300 million a year. The casino is generating a lot of money. You know, I I don't feel comfortable disclosing that either, but, uh, you know, those kinds of numbers, you know, that's not out of the ballpark. That kind of money is going to make waves with some neighbors. You can be a hell of a farmer with that kind of income. That's Tom Frederick. 
He and his wife own Cape Valley Vineyards and Winery right next door to the casino. They're part of a group challenging some non-agricultural development. They do the best of everything when they do the farming, so I don't begrudge him any of that. But he's frustrated that because they're a native sovereign nation, some Yochadihi operations like the casino and golf course operate under different regulations than the rest of the valley. Down the valley at KP Organics, workers fill boxes of just-picked carrots with ice, preparing them for transport. Outside, looking over the carrot fields, co-owner Thaddeus Barsati has a different take. They're following the rules, just like I am. They have a different set of rules, but that's what our society's decided was fair, and it's hard to blame them for that. Barsati grew up going to school with tribe members in tougher times. I think it's a cool story anytime you, you see someone go from not having a lot and taking advantage of the opportunities that they're given and and ending up with more than they had. That's the American dream, right? With the Yocha Dihi's success and investment in agriculture, they're making partnerships, growing produce for KP Organics, renting land to other farmers, and letting about 40 olive growers pay a fee to use their mill. (laughs) It's harvest time for one of these growers, and workers use small rakes to scrape olives onto nets then gather the nets and dump olives into bins. In a couple hours, the fruit will travel just five minutes down the road to be pressed into oil at the Seca Hills Olive Mill, an equipment imported from Florence, Italy. This mill is so pungent. Too bad you can't smell it on the radio. Chairman Marshall McKay says, with the Yochadihi opening up the mill and working in ag, tensions in the Cape Valley have eased. They're in the same line of work as their neighbors now. That wasn't like that a few years ago. You know, people were uh, not looking at us in the eye, and we weren't looking at them in the eye, and you know now it's changed. The tribe's membership is up to about 70 people, and McKay says to keep them grounded and engaged despite their newfound wealth, they receive higher incomes if they've graduated from high school or work or attend college full-time. Are you doing something for yourself instead of sitting down and, and just waiting for the handout? All members belong to committees to learn about tribal governance and casino operations and farm and land management so they can make thoughtful decisions about their future. I think our main objective these days is to acquire pieces of land that are significant to us and and that have meaning. And he says all of this valley has meaning to his tribe. That's it for this episode of California Foodways. The story was reported and produced by me, Lisa Morehouse. It originally aired on KQED's California Report magazine and NPR's Weekend Edition. Our theme music is by Takanobu, and Ariel Plotnik produces the podcast. We receive support from FERN, the Food and Environment Reporting Network, and from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. You can learn more at calhum.org. Subscribe to California Foodways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow CA Foodways on social media and visit our website, californiafoodways.com. <laughs>